The gospel lesson this morning is from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Would you please rise for the reading of the gospel? In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they, heard, when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been, and having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. As we come to our time of children's message, I think the story of the wise men, the magi going to see the baby Jesus, is a familiar one. It's one you've heard, I'm hoping, once or twice. I want to share it with you from a different perspective, perhaps. The last straw. I think you'll pick up real quickly. The old camel was asleep in the desert night. He dreamed about all the water in the world and a hump that would hold the entire sea. Hearing voices, Hashkama opened one eye. Hashkama, Hashkama. Reluctantly, he opened the other. Why should I wake up, he grumbled. The sand whirled in the moonlit night. You have been chosen. The sand seemed to shift again. You will carry gifts to a baby king. Who are you? The camel wanted to know. He was an old camel and he thought he earned his sleep. You will carry frankincense, myrrh and gold. The wise men have chosen you. Hashkama got up slowly. Why me? If they're so wise, don't they know about my joints? My sciatica? My gout? Mm-hmm. What did you say I am to carry? How much does it weigh? Besides, I have other commitments. There's a water drinking competition. 
I really must go to the cud chewing convention, the sand blew furiously, <laughs> cutting into the black night. Hashkama was startled and decided he better do, as the voices told him. Who knew what made the sand move, like creatures with great wings? When do I start? He asked carefully. Today, with that, the sand and the voices disappeared. It was morning. It was still early as the servants of the wise men placed precious gifts onto Hashkama's back. The young camels ran to their great friends, and they looked up to him because he was older and he thought they might be wiser. You must be a very special camel. I am special, he puffed out his old chest and began to say something a little foolish. I'm not so old. I'm as strong as ten horses. I've been chosen to carry rich gifts to the new baby king. Can we come too? asked the young camels. Aren't we your friends? You can walk beside me. And the long journey began. At noon, a herd of mountain goats came into view. Hashkama thought they'd come a long way from their mountain home in the north. What is it you want? He called out. We hear tell of a new king that's been born. Take our humble gift. It's milk for the king. You want me to carry milk? He sputtered in shock. I'm not a milk-bearing camel. I'm not ordinary like you. The young camel's curist. He's not ordinary. He's strong. Why, he's as strong as ten horses. Hashkama muttered to himself, My joints, my gout, my sciatica. He grumbled, give me your gift. At one o'clock, they were stopped by a family of millers. Look, said the youngest camel, they're carrying bags of ground corn. Do you suppose they're for the new king? They will have to carry it themselves, Hashkama said. They can follow the star just like the rest of us. The young camel crowded him eagerly, but you're so strong. You're as strong as ten horses. Hashkama felt weary, but he said to the millers, Give me your heavy bags. I'll carry them. At two o'clock, the young ladies had their fine silk. At least cloth doesn't weigh quite as much. At three o'clock, an old man in fine clothes gave him two rare birds in silver cages. At four o'clock, some merchants gave him pillars of oak that came all the way from Lebanon. At five o'clock, a group of bakers gave him some of their finest sweet meats and pastries. At six o'clock, the sun finally went down and the crowd melted into the night. Hashkama gracefully sank into the sand and in kind darkness, he didn't have to pretend he was as strong as 10 horses. He became aware it wasn't as dark as usual. He looked up and he saw the splendor of the skies and the special brightness of a star they'd been following. He fell asleep, wondering about those sand voices and what he thought 
he could almost see. But as the sun rose over the desert hills, it was hard to remember the wonder of the star. The new day brought new pains and new burdens for Hashkama. I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I can carry any more. My legs are getting weaker. My gout, my sciatica, my joints, I'm too loaded down. Word of the caravan had spread like sand in a desert wind, and people lined the route holding their gifts for him to take to the baby king. There were jars of honey and baskets of money. There were jewels and beads and large rolls of leather. And last but not least, 20 gallons of wine. Hashkama said to himself, this is going to bring me to ruin that fruit of the vine. But the youngest camel cried out, look, it's Bethlehem. You've made it, Hashkama. You're as strong as 10 horses. He knew he could do it if he didn't stop until he arrived at the spot beneath the star. He could, and he knew he could. Just out of the glowing darkness was a small voice. I have a gift for the king. Hashkama looked down on the tiny child. Please, child, no more gifts. It has no weight, though. It's light and long. It's for a king born this night. It's little. A little too much, Hoskama whispered. Didn't I hear them say you were as strong as ten horses? Well, I am, sort of. My joints and the gout. He looked into the child's eyes and his heart melted. Yes, child, give it to me, this smaller-than-small gift. What harm can it do? It's for his bed. It's all I have. No problem, he said, bravely, if not foolishly. All this time he kept walking because he knew if he stopped, he might not start again. But he saw the star shine from the lowly stable. Child, do it now. Put your straw on my back and I'll approach the new king. Hashkama entered the stable. My knees are loosening. My legs, they wobble. My back is breaking. Will this last straw cause me to fall? With that, he fell to his knees. Oh my, this is no way for a camel to behave. They will say Hashkama the weak, Hashkama the proud, shouldn't have traveled this far. The wise men noticed the camel also. Quickly, they too knelt. They're mocking me now? Falling on their knees? Heads bent over like old trees? From a humble manger, a tiny hand appeared and touched Hashkama. His pain almost disappeared. He couldn't feel the burdens. He whispered, Hosanna from Hashkama, accept these gifts kindly. They come from far and wide, brought by a beast that once acted blindly. From there on, there was no burden, great or small, that he would not gladly carry. 
I think you and I have had the last straw once or twice. Let us pray and ask God to help us as we carry our gifts also to the King. Dear God, we thank you for the gifts we carry. Help us to offer them to the Christ child. Amen. Did you know that the song 12 Days of Christmas is not a countdown to Christmas? Rather, the counting begins with Christmas Day and continues to the 12th night, to Epiphany, sometimes also called Three Kings Day or even Women's Christmas, ask me about that later, means revealing or showing forth. We, too, you and I, have these little epiphanies, these little aha moments in our days. Perhaps the most significant is when we look back and realize God has been with us all along. For many of us, this happens only in the looking back, days and months and years ago. Epiphanies can also reveal God's presence right here and right now. Imagine the scene as the wise ones discovered a star in the east and remembered there was this prophecy of a king born to the Jews. They were compelled to travel despite the expense, despite their own calendars, despite their own doubts. Our reading from the Gospel of Matthew depicts the Magi meeting first with Herod and then coming to see the Holy Family. It's likely they were coming from Babylon or Persia. We know that they were astrologers looking at the stars, probably of the Zoroastrian faith. We can't be sure how many there were. We know there were three gifts, and we like to put three in the manger, but we're not sure. As we sang earlier, there are these gifts, right, of gold and frankincense and myrrh representing the king, the priest, the prophet that Jesus is. They're pretty generous with themselves. The gift of gold may have seemed to be the one that was most practical. Gold that comes from the riches of kings and sustains the needs of a kingdom. The wise ones greeted Jesus with worship. Translators try to capture the joy of this moment with everything from they rejoiced exceedingly to they were thrilled to bits. I kind of like that translation myself. They laid their gifts at the feet of Jesus and their generosity with gold couldn't be overstated. So what does it mean for us to be generous? We'll talk about a few, but first we're called to be generous with our money as well. 
John Wesley, founder of Methodism, preached in a sermon the use of money, not that it was evil, rather, there was the good of it. 1789, he writes, earn all you can, save all you can, don't forget it, give all you can. And he went on in that day and age to argue that Methodists were ignoring the third part. They were doing okay with earning and with saving, but forgot about giving. And as a result, he said in 1789, the effectiveness of the Methodist movement was a little limited. If Methodists would give all they can, we would all have enough, he said. It wasn't piety designed to support a church budget. It was a plea for generosity, compassion for those in need. Wesley taught, and we believe that it matters what we do with our gifts. Today, we might start to say, now the preacher sounds like she's meddling a little bit into our personal business. But Wesley presses forward. Money is an excellent gift of God, answering the noblest ends, and in the hands of his children is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, raiment for the naked. You can tell it's 18th century language close, right? How are we, you and I, generous with our gold, the kind that jingles and the kind that folds? Consider, where's God calling you? to generosity with your gold. Next, the Magi give the gift of frankincense to indicate the priesthood of Jesus. Frankincense is sweet. It's often a little citrusy. And the burning of frankincense is an act of the priesthood. It actually drives away bugs it has an antiseptic, an anti-inflammatory property. So Jesus, as the high priest, completes the offering by giving himself for our salvation. Frankincense reminds us to be generous with our time. Did you notice the Magi didn't wait for Jesus to grow up and come visit them? They saw the star and they left. If this was in the Gospel of Mark, it would have been immediately, but it was pretty quick, right? They searched for an opportunity to meet Jesus, following this star across miles. When you and I are generous with our time, we need to take the initiative. We might need to make the first phone call or send the first email. We might need to extend ourselves beyond what's comfortable and I don't know about you, but sometimes this means being persistent in contacting someone over and over again. Amen. We can travel to where somebody else is, not just waiting for people to show up on our doorstep. Where's God inviting you to be generous with your time? Maybe with your family, with your friends, with your church family, with our larger community. That third gift was myrrh. Myrrh is this mysterious kind of gift because it points to a point in the future when Jesus would have need of the myrrh due to death, due to dying. Jesus as the prophet 
who shares our humanity and generously gives of himself. Murr reminds us to be generous with our intentions, what we plan to do. These gifts weren't just re-gifted from the white elephant exchange the week before. The Magi brought precious gifts, practical and symbolic, to meet the king. You know, the Magi were generous with their curiosity. While they were not Jewish in their training or their heritage, they knew about this prophetic tradition in which a king was going to be born. They sought out the wise. They thought Herod was wise, that's all right, to decipher the prophecy. Our experience, you and I, is deepened when we ask good questions to the wise, rather than making the assumption I can figure it all out by myself. Our precious gifts also include kindness and compassion open-mindedness, and generosity of spirit. When we bring our best intention, we're generous with others. Sometimes we are lax in our intention, or quite frankly, we have a ill will that we're bringing into a conversation. Consider, where is God calling you to renew a commitment to generous intention? in your interactions with others, and in your discipleship. As we seek generosity, we also celebrate, you might have noticed, the baptismal font. This is the baptism of our Lord Sunday. As Jesus went to the Jordan to be baptized by John, he made a very public statement of his life and his ministry. When we are baptized or remember our baptism, we also make a public statement about who we are and what we do. When we touch water, we remember the earth is made of 71% water, and our bodies, depending on the day, is somewhere between 50 to 70% water. Water's really familiar to us. It's ordinary, it's mundane. It's commonplace, it's quotidian, and God is in the business of taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. That's our understanding of what sacraments are. When Jesus touched the water, God appeared in the form of a dove and reminded those present, this one is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. Listen. To him. Jesus went out and began his ministry. Because you and I are part of the body of Christ, it's not just to Jesus whom God says those words. They were also addressed to us. When we touch the waters of baptism, we hear God claiming us. These ones, all of them, are my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Our baptismal vows, sometimes made for us, sometimes reaffirmed in confirmation, membership, or reaffirmation, they shape our ministry together. Renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness. Accept the freedom God gives you, and confess that Jesus is Lord. 
These vows are the outline of our ministry as we give our gold, our frankincense, and our myrrh, our money, our time, and our intention. As we reaffirm our baptism, let us offer our gifts, one to the other and also to God. Let us be generous with what we've been given. We will find that like the Magi, we too are changed. They were warned to travel home a different way than what they came. This kept them safe for sure, but it also changed their perspective. They were transformed by holy experiences, the presence of Jesus, a dream from God, and a star that guided them the whole way. May this epiphany show forth ours, yours and mine, our generosity, and reveal God's very presence among us even now. This is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.